0: Hello and welcome to BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Rue of BTN. We're back with another uh, great interview, great episode. And it's a little change up this week because normally this time of year, we would talk a lot of hoops. Um, week to week, we'll try and get our researcher, Harold Shelton, in here for some in-depth basketball or football talk, depending on the season. But this week, Harold was on a well-deserved vacation. So, no hoops chatter in this particular episode, and we also did not get a basketball-related guest. We brought in a football-related guest. It is a former holder at Rutgers, Cole Murphy. Cole was the holder this past season at Rutgers, uh, actually the past couple seasons, played special teams, was also a wide receiver, and is uh, maybe not your typical profile of, of guests we'll have on the show, but interesting nonetheless, as he launched a... Viral campaign, social media campaign this past season to try and become the holder of the year in college football and win the Heisman Trophy for holders. So, kind of a fun interview and and just a a little bit of a different interview. And even though football season officially ended this past Monday with LSU taking home the title, we, uh, this not precluded us from talking football. And we did just that with, with Cole, even though it was more about his story and, kind of his uh, unique personality than it was X's and O's. Um, We did get into what it was like on the ground at Rutgers when they went through their coaching change and what his career was like as it came to a close this past season, going from uh, community college in Kansas all the way to Rutgers football. So, fun interview, interesting, lengthy interview this week, like I said, with Cole Murphy, and um, he is the only segment in this week's episode, so all 40, 45 minutes or so are of Cole, and there is no discussion beyond that. So before we get to him, and before we wrap up after that, I will uh, just remind everyone to subscribe to the show and leave a rating if you like it. It's on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, or on our YouTube channel, the Big Ten Network YouTube channel. So that out of the way, let's snap it to Cole, who will uh, hold down this interview for us. Apologize for the pun, but um, that's what we're going to do in our conversation with Cole for the uh, next 40 to 45 minutes. Have a little fun. We'll have Cole Murphy of Rutgers Football take it from here. I'm very pleased to be joined by Rutgers wide receiver, recently uh, graduated Rutgers wide receiver and holder, Cole Murphy. You can follow him on Twitter at Cole underscore Murphy underscore 10, and uh, Twitter and social media is kind of where he came from and made a name for himself, so we'll get into that in depth in a little bit, but first off, what's up Cole, how you doing man? I'm
1: doing well, you know, I appreciate you taking the time to reach out to me and uh, taking me on the show.
0: For sure man, uh, I made your acquaintance over the summer when I was on campus oh, yeah. for yeah the BTN bus tour, and you were probably our most enthusiastic interview subject, uh, video subject that we had out of all 14 schools, so... First of all, just just let the people know why, you know, you were kind of so enthusiastic and what kind of went into, uh, you know, wanting to be on camera and and make a name for yourself a little bit on on the social media waves.
1: Yeah, yeah, so I think that the reason, you know, um, for anybody that had followed me and anybody that, you know, heard about me, they probably only heard about the holding side. Um, And I figured, you know, what better opportunity to actually talk to, you know, the Big Ten Network guys um, you know usually those interviews consist of uh you know the, the top running backs, receivers, defensive players and whatnot so somehow we managed to to kind of nudge nudge over there and give you guys a little bit of a show with some with some humorous type of skits with the you know being in a fake interview and running over there talking about holes and running over there and acting like you know i smelled I smelled the snap coming and and I think that kind of catapulted the campaign if anything, it kind of you know, it gave me a a platform where I could actually respond to people because there, you know, there's usually not a lot of a lot of positivity going around uh, Rutgers football lately. So the, the ability to kind of respond to the naysayers and and tell them, you know, what the cause is actually for was is a really great opportunity. And I appreciate you guys for even letting that become a thing.
0: Yeah. So you you kind of touched on it there, but a little background for yeah. the listeners. Um, you know, we'll do a TV show from each campus in the summer. And you're right, we'll have the stars of the team on our TV show, We'll interview them, but kind of my job and, and some of my colleagues' jobs are to highlight the lighter side and um, talk to athletes and, and people on campus who are unique and are willing to have fun on social media. And you certainly fall into that category because, like you kind of touched on there, you were in the process of launching a social media campaign to become the holder of the year. So. Tell yeah. us about what the Peter Mortel Awards, so what it's called. Tell us about what the uh award is, how you kinda got the idea to throw your hat in the ring and some of the things you, you tried to pull off to get your name out there.
1: Yeah, so the the Pete Mortel Award in general, started I guess it's gonna be going on its sixth year this next time around. Pete Mortel was a punter and a holder for the University of Minnesota and uh, I guess he just kinda got tired of Everybody in every single position getting a getting an award and recognition besides the holder, and so he came up with it, gave it to himself the first year, and from that point it's just kind of skyrocketed. And that and uh, you know there's been there's been five winners, including him, and the most recent was uh, Preston Brady out of Memphis. You know, it was a steep competition. So, uh, somehow, some way. Even though we didn't have that many attempts at at field goal and PATs this year with Rutgers, you know I managed to make it into the semifinalists and was in the the final voting round, which was actually conducted by the committee. Um, Pete Mortel doesn't really say who's all in the committee, but he did reach out to me after and uh, kind of thank me for because this this year I'd say better than ever. We we as just holders as like a community. It sounds kind of weird, but you know we kind of bonded this year more than I've ever seen before and there was a lot more correspondence over social media people giving each other a hard time and whatnot. and so finally at the, you know, at the end of the thing when, when somebody finally gets crowd uh, the whole day of the year it's based off their celebration so on my social media I was big on you know promoting this image of just like a, a weird holder weird facial here, weird, weird celebrations and all this but it's actually a, a bigger cause than that so celebrations go into it, fluidity of cadence um, you know, your your laces out percentage. Um, one of the highlights that the guys at Rutgers football put together was like a laces cam, and I thought that was awesome. I went into it. And, um, but at the end of this whole thing, uh, you know, the, it got so much exposure when P. Mortel first started it, and it, it's just grown with people knowing it across the U.S. is that because of that podium that you get put on after you win the award, you start you start your fundraising campaign for whatever nonprofit you, you might choose. Um, and so I was a big advocate the past two seasons before I even started really chasing the the holder of the year of November campaign. And that probably would have been mine if I was given the opportunity to win. But you know, Preston Brady chose to go with St. Jude's, and I think that that's an awesome cause. And so um, you know, one of the initiatives is holders is kind of come together and you know start to raise funds for this awesome this awesome campaign, this awesome award, even though it's not an NCAA official award. I think that it's it's pretty significant that they're they're making this big of an impact in the community.
0: Yeah, no, I owe you an apology because as you kind of uh, alluded to, the time has passed for the the promotion to kind of feed into this year's winner. You didn't win, but you were one of the top three finalists. So I apologize for not you know fueling the uh, the Cole Murphy for <laughs> Mortel Award even more when it when it mattered. But I did want to circle back and talk to you about it because it was something I kind of followed yeah. all year. And it was fun because you know we were looking for your for your holds on um, on BTN when our games were when your games were on our on our air and we saw some of the celebrations we saw the shoeshine one we saw you tweeting oh, yeah. with uh, the hashtags like the angelic holds and hashtag live laugh holds like who thought of that did did you have a little committee or how did these uh, ideas come together.
1: You know, some with the celebrations. You know, I was all game. You know, I was all ears whenever it came to celebrations. Because if any, if anybody, you know, if people were following the campaign and they had an idea, you know, I'm not like it was. It was kind of funny. I, I went on the WRSU radio show, and they were like, "Oh my god!" Like when you followed us back, we thought it was such a big deal. And I'm like, I'm just another finance student like everybody else. So like, <laughs> we had a, a a meme page that came out um about adam korzak i don't know if you've seen that on instagram but it is like hilarious they put some edgy memes out there and it's all it started out just being about adam korzak and those those guys are just some high school kids that um are from springfield or livingston new jersey and they were just like dude you really gotta i think what you should do is you should do you know since you have angelic holds i think you should do the uh and you're always talking about how electric your hands are. You should do a, sh- like, you should shock Justin. And that was probably the the big one that got the most attention on on Big Ten Network. And then after that, it was just, you know, we had to kind of shut down the inbox because people were just giving us all these different ideas. Some of them probably couldn't even put on air. <laughs> um, just outrageous. But, uh, and then in terms of, like, the the hashtags and whatnot, like, I I'm just, like, an outgoing kind of guy. Like, anybody that knows me probably thinks that, you can't sit in, like in a room with me more than thirty minutes because, like, randomly outbursting with just random noises. I come up with random sayings, just very like very vivid and 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 uh, you know animated with what I do. And so, um, you know, when I came on when I came on with you guys in the summer and we or in fall camp and we did all that stuff, like that was like what I try to do all the time. And you know, that's just kind of the way that I live my life. I like I think that the the more funny you are and the, and the more you're able to like relate to people and, and break down people's walls like I did with Coach Ash because he was you know he was kind of a he's very very strict and liked things running you know very high efficiently and got into you know get get a little uncomfortable with the way that we would joke around with him and that's that's kind of the you know what my whole goal was with the, the holder of the year campaigning was just to try to make people laugh bring attention to it by comedy but then also say, okay, this this is funny and everything, but there's a like, there is a serious matter at the end of this. We're trying to raise funds for whatever the non-profit may be at the end of this. So the more eyes you can get on it, whether it be through humor or, you know, just constantly putting out social media, that's that's what I kind of try to do.
0: Yeah, the two celebrations that uh, stuck out. I mentioned the shoe shine one, but the the shock, like yeah. you said, where you shocked uh, the kicker. Yeah, that, was, yeah. that was hilarious too, and, and those were both on our air, yeah. so it, it got a lot of run for us. Yeah.
1: It was fantastic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was fantastic. And um, you know, I am gonna get into your background in just a second here, just so we can know the man behind the holds. But just out of yeah. curiosity, why why was the campaign turned up so much this past year? Uh it seems like you were a little more low key in your previous year or two at Rutgers. Right. Why did you decide to dial it up in twenty nineteen?
1: Yeah, I would say that the reason the reason why I was so dialed up in twenty nineteen is um, that first year with me actually holding in games for Justin. Cause, um, you know, I, I had the ACL when I first got there, and I didn't want—I didn't want to put so much pressure on Justin. Like kickers are like, you know, very methodical in what they try to do. You know, there's like a science, there's an art behind it. Whatever you want to say, like there's there's a mojo that goes with it, and when the mojo's there, it's on fire. When the mojo's not there, you got to figure out some—you got to figure out some way to bring it back. And so after that first that first season with Justin and being able to you know, lay down holes that he was comfortable with. I was like, Okay, well maybe we can amp it up a little bit. Andrew Hart, who was also a, a grad transfer from Minnesota, he was well aware of the, the holder of the year award and he said, dude, you should really like you should really go after it because I think that you you guys as a specialist group, you know, you guys are way more comfortable with each other. You guys are putting down, you know, some really good optimes. Why not why not just go for it? And I was like, Well, you know what, it's better to it's better to do things and and you
0: know not regret them later than not do them at all so absolutely and I do want to get into you know kind of the path that led you to your senior year at Rutgers where you got that exposure Uh, I've talked to you know plenty of star football players on this podcast star athletes I've talked to special teams guys as well I had at least one or two Mm -hmm. kickers on so I do like getting into some of the more unique stories um, of guys you know that, that that came up in college football so just take me through, uh, first off, what you're, you're up to now. I did introduce you and said you're graduated, but I didn't even confirm that with you. Yeah. Are you are you done with school, or yeah, what I do you am, got going on I in graduated. New Jersey?
1: I, did, I managed to not fail my last semester. I actually, I had probably one of my best semesters GPA-wise, which was a shock to me because I had four three-hour classes that were all at night, and so that was a, that was a pain. But, um, you know, now I, I was presented this opportunity to join this awesome um, it's still a private company. It's going on its tenth year, but it's here in Nashville, which is like the home of of healthcare industries. And I'm actually um, on the sales side of healthcare planning, so talking to large organizations, um, you know, Blue Cross, Blue Shields, and selling them um, exclusion products and different things like it, of that nature. Which is, it's just, I mean, to to dumb, not dumb it down, but to. You know, to simplify it. It's just information technology services, sales within healthcare industries.
0: And is that uh, kind of the path that you I'm doing now? The path that you kind of envisioned for yourself when you got a uh, business finance degree <laughs> at Rutgers?
1: I did not. No. I thought you know the day I walked on campus at Rutgers, I thought I was either going to be a financial advisor like my dad was, or I was going to be the next guy on Wall Street trying to live on the hundred and whatever story of floor. And uh, before that, I thought I was going to be a physical therapist. Before that, I thought I was going to be an NFL player. But uh, the, more, the more you get into these things, the, the more you, your path kind of changes and, and different hurdles you're faced with. But I, you know, I, I got this opportunity through my network and just wouldn't wouldn't leave them alone. I was like, guys, I want to be a part of a company that's up and coming and growing and still private, to where um, you know you can be a part of something that is going to be something one day because you can always go back on. Like good like corporate America, or, you know, if, if you know what I mean.
0: For sure. And there are definitely uh, worse places you could be than Nashville, Tennessee, in your, you know, your early 20s, oh, yeah. for sure.
1: Yeah. And, that's, and that's the thing. I didn't want to, my girlfriend still lives in Lower East Side of New York City. And I just didn't want to, I don't know, I just didn't see myself sitting in up there. And it's not that I didn't love the time that I was there. I've got some of my best friends, but I just can't see myself um, being happy living in New York City. And so that's that's what kind of led me down
0: here. Definitely, and I want to take it back to even before you got to to Rutgers, and and you know, kind of when you were envisioning what you were going to do with your life. Probably even you know before college and high school. I just want to hear about your path from um, you know, doing yeah. my research on you from the Midwest from Kansas all the way oh. to Rutgers. So take me through the stops and um, and how you got yeah. to uh, Jersey.
1: Yeah, so. I guess we're going to take it back. We might as well take it back to when I first started playing, but I won't go as in depth. So, you know, I grew up, I played baseball and and basketball and I tried soccer. I played one game. It just wasn't for me. I couldn't understand why there was a mob around the ball. Um, and then, so, you know, I grew up playing baseball and basketball and I grew up idolizing my dad. My dad played football at K state. He was a walk on as well. And then the scholarship and tore his ACL ironically, um, and then transfer down to University of Texas to just pursue a degree in, in business, and uh, you know I, I was telling my mom over and over and over because I had just switched schools and made all these new friends and whatnot. And I I, I grew up throwing the football because I was just obsessed with it. So I I got my mom to sign me up behind my dad's back um, at the you know the local Pee Wee, JC there in Overland, or I think it's Olathe, o- 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 Kansas. I think it's in the Olathe o- o- side, but it could be right on the border, but that doesn't matter. That's just details. So I got, got her to sign me up, and the very first time that I played a football game, my dad showed up, and he was like, he was like, I swear, Paige, if he gets hurt, this is like, I'm going to be so mad because I told you I didn't want him playing until at least middle school. He wanted me playing flag football, and I was like, no, that's, that's soft, and uh, I didn't want to do it. So very first play from line of scrimmage, I kid you not. I was I was at a, like a wing tight end position, and we did a like a banana. So it's like a fake toss, and then I took the ball and I took it for like 60. I think it was 68 yards, and I was like, man, this is like this is exactly what I wanted to play. And then the very next drive, we got on offense again. They they put me at running back, and I had a, a like a sweep toss for like I think that one was for like 57 yards. I know it was over fifty yards, and I was like, "Man, this is like exactly what I wanted to play." And so I was kind of like a like a utility player back then because I could throw, I could run, I could catch, and uh, you know started to grow into more of the leadership type role and, and started playing QB. And so um, that sixth grade year, seventh and eighth grade year, I was a QB, and uh, there was a the other the other QB in my city that was actually pretty pretty well accomplished. His name was Jake Sire. And, uh, you know, I couldn't see myself playing over him at a South. And, you know, as much as we have to say that there's not politics in high school football and whatnot, but, um, you know, I just, I was concerned that I wasn't going to get an opportunity there and I just wanted to play quarterback. So I transferred out of, out of my, uh, I, I didn't transfer, but I applied for a, uh, 21st century program and went over to another high school that, that, you know i wanted to do this sports med. i wanted to do physical therapy um i don't know for whatever reason back then so i was like well i should get into sports medicine and they also have a football program there and i can start fresh and you know try to prove my worth and be the quarterback there and immediately my freshman year summer got up to that school and they pulled me up to varsity workouts so i didn't know anybody at varsity let alone the freshmen and didn't have any friends didn't know anybody there and uh you know started started trying to prove my worth as a freshman so i was a 14 year old playing with guys on the field that were 17 and 18 and i was like oh my god i think i only weighed like 100 and, i think i weighed like 155 pounds <laughs> and i'm playing with guys that are way bigger than me way taller way faster stronger and i'm just trying to like you know fit in but the one thing that i could do at that point was throw and uh you know caught, caught the attention of, of those guys and that's why they pulled me up. Sophomore year, I was given the reins of, of varsity. Freshman year, I got some pick, but we had a senior QB and a lot of senior heavy heavy uh, upperclassmen. So, sophomore year, I was given the reins, and uh, that class was actually really talented. A lot of guys went on to play the next level, too. But we were given the reins, and after the third game, we were playing Shawnee Mission West, which, I mean, I mean, to anybody who listens to this, it's not going to matter unless they're listening back home, but... Um, playing Shawnee Mission West and you know they knew that we had a young team and they wanted to get under you know into our heads and so I uh I was getting pretty I was getting lit up that game and, and I took one I scrambled for like a first down and after I got tackled the first time I like I got hit right in my back and uh I just remember I rolled over and I was like it like I felt like my shoulders just popped and I was like okay well it's just like uh, maybe it's just like a stinger or whatever because everybody always talks about it because it didn't hurt or anything at that point And rolled over and I remember my receiver Jake Reed Was trying to grab my hand to pick me up and I like, you know, it's hard to explain it but it's almost as if my arm was ex- like out or like if I was lifting my arm straight up to like Do a curl and grab somebody's hand. It was just going out to the right. Mm. i was like, well, that's not right And so I I found out that I dislocated my shoulder and went to the hospital. Had to get surgery. Um, toward pretty much all of my labrum. The doctor said it was a, it was like a eleven to one o'clock tear. So the only part that was left was right on the top. And so had surgery from that. Came back. I mean, obviously could not throw as far as I, I used to. And uh, still was a starter of my junior year. Senior year was the starter. Led us to two substate champion or led us to two sub state playoff games and lost in. The first time was single overtime. Second time was triple overtime, and uh, you know I wasn't wasn't done there. And I figured that because I lost out on that sophomore in between junior summer, that um, you know my recruiting was a little bit uh, tainted. And this, or that's that was my opinion that you know I wasn't getting recruited because I missed out on that opportunity. So I might as well take this junior college opportunity because you know going into that senior year, I had I had. the junior college that I went to, Coffeeville, I had the other junior colleges reach out to me, but for whatever reason, junior uh, Coffeeville just kind of stuck with me, and I really liked the coaches that were down there, Coach Aaron Flores and Dicky Rolls and Angela Miranda, who's now at uh, University of Mass. Angela Miranda is, but those other two coaches have just been like, you know, really big rocks in my in my success and up and coming. But decided to go down there because I said, well, I can go to K State and I can walk on there and try to follow what my dad did or I can go and play two years and then possibly even get bigger offers than, you know, playing at, at, in the Big 12 and playing in my backyard. So, win Juco. And uh,
0: and real quick, you know, with questions about uh, Juco, because yeah. I was looking at where Coffeyville was on the map, and it looks like it's in the middle of nowhere. Like, we're talking southeast Kansas, I think, like right yeah. near the Oklahoma border. I'm thinking when I see yeah, that, well, a school like that, like last chance you, um, was it like that I, at all? Was community good. tiny? Yeah. Tell me about Coffeeville.
1: Oh. Yeah. So, if you watched Last Chance, you Independence, which is the second team that they do the special on. I mean, that was our that was our rival, them and Northeastern Oklahoma. Um, so, I mean, I played against Independence. I wasn't in that filming because they had started it. My, I think it was my, I think it was my freshman year they started getting clips, but sophomore year they really started to record. Um, but yeah, I mean. If you watched JUCO, I, I can't. I don't have anything terrible to say about it because it definitely made me who I am today and the friendships that I made there. If you're able to make friends at a JUCO, you're able to make friends anywhere because there's no re- like there's nothing going on there. I mean, we would go to Walmart just for fun because <laughs> there's I mean there's nothing going on there. And uh, like I think the nearest like to put it into perspective is just how far out there. The nearest Buffalo Wild Wings I think was like an hour away. And like every football town should have a Buffalo Wild Wings. But Amen. neither neither there nor you know, here. But um, you know, those Juco the JUCO things that you see on independence, like on the last chance you, I mean, those are those are real. Like that whenever I tell somebody about Juco is you either went to JUCO because, you know, you got in trouble in high school, um, with law enforcement, you didn't have the grades, uh, you weren't you were under recruited, which was my case. I didn't I didn't happen to have a criminal record or bad grades at that point. Um, I still don't. <laughs> but the uh, and then or you were a bounce back. So you went D one and you wanted, you had a falling out with the coach or you wanted to go somewhere else. Those are the reasons you go to JUCO. Otherwise, I don't know why you would go to junior college unless you live in that immediate town and you wanted to get the associate's degree because there's not a whole lot going on there, I'm going to be
0: honest. So was there like but, a, uh, you know, you have the counselor like Miss Brittany down in East Mississippi and like the super mm-hmm. fan who's at every game and, yeah, we and had, coaches we had, in dorms, and, yeah. like you guys have all that right. going on?
1: Yeah. I mean, like the, co- the coaches that are there are, are <laughs> the coaches that are there are there similar to the players because they're trying to get out and coach at the next level. Nobody, I mean, there's guys that fall in love with it. Like Aaron, Aaron Flores, which is probably – one of my favorite coaches that I've had, in Dickie Rolls, which are, is another great coach that I had. Those guys are so influential in my life and what I've done now. But those guys are trying to make it to the next level too. It's not like they want to stay around there because you know it can get it can get overwhelming and toxic. But you know those guys when they're there, they're living in the dorms. I mean, they have a dorm room to themselves, but they're still living and they're like going through all all the things that we are. They're eating the cafeteria food. They're in the dorm rooms. They're showering. Uh, I think they have their own showers in their dorm room, but all the same. I mean, it's not like I hardly doubt that you're dating someone. Like I was impressed that that guy I had his whole family in that dorm, right? Um, within the Last Chance You series, but I, like, I mean, it's a it's a it's a battle to get out, and um, everybody's trying to get out. And so are the coaches. And in terms of like the super fan um, that was really rooting for you, it's probably like. Uh, a professor that I had named Miss Manley and she was a she was a history or she taught different various history classes and uh, you know I was I was I took her class and she was just so so helpful to everybody had a ton of patience Miss um, Kim when we were there was our academic um, you know the one that really kicked you in the butt when you were having an issue I I mean I didn't really have an issue to begin with so when I got there there wasn't much of an academic issue but you know guys on the team as you can imagine, had some and definitely had to get stern talking to. Um, there's the townies. I mean, it's, I don't even know how to really describe uh, the townies other than, um, you know, the guys that grew up there and they live and die in Coffeville and that's their way of life. And the one thing that's entertainment in the fall is watching the football game because other than that, you better find a hobby because you're going to be pretty bored.
0: Yeah, that's what I love about those shows, just kind of learning about the people – like the advisors, mm-hmm. the teachers, the super fans, and everyone who's so invested in those yeah. programs because otherwise, you know, the spotlight would never be shined yeah. on those people um, if not for yeah. the people who you know make it out and, and and share their stories or the documentary crews that go there. Um, yeah. So you end up at Rutgers, and obviously New Jersey, and uh, you know, 45 minutes from New York City, and, and totally yeah. different part of the country. There's a big change. Yeah, I was gonna say, is there There's a big adjustment big period big for you, or how did you how did you handle that uh, that shift?
1: Yeah, so when I when I first got up there, I had no idea how fast paced life was up there. Like, you know, I thought, okay, I live in Olathe, which is like I think 130,000 people, and I was like, well, I could, I can do it. Like, I I'd, I'd been I'd visited New York City when I was in fourth grade, and I was like, this is awesome. There's always stuff going on. There's so many lights, and there's so much like there's so much stimulus going on. And I get up there, and like. I'm trying to think the very first so the the very first thing that I remember is uh, the the mid-years or whatever you want to call them it was all walk-ons for the most part and then mid-year scholarship guys like Bordner I think Bordner came in with me Brendan Bordner um, Jamal Beattie came in with me Michael Clark those kind of guys joined the exact same time I did they were were mid-year guys and so they put you kind of through the ringer in terms of the strength staff so I'm getting up there, and I'm doing workouts at like I think it was like five fifteen or something. I mean, it might have been six, but I, I remember being in the locker room no later than five fifteen. And you know, your hands are bleeding from the workouts so that you're doing because I had never worked out like that before. Like, let me tell you, Coach Barker and his strength staff was incredible. And uh, so, you know, get up there and you're trying to adjust to, to workouts and you're trying to just eat everything you can because they want you to gain this weight. They want you to be on time for book check. They want you to do this, this, and that. And, that's like not even what I came from at JUCO, and I was I was disciplined at my high school, and I went to extra training and whatnot. But this is crazy. So you go to training, and then you go to book check, and then you have all these meetings, and then you have to go to classes, and the, the classes that they get you into at the beginning of the year, you're going until 10 p.m. at night, and then you have to do it all over again the next day. And it's like, man, if you're not if you don't want this, you're going to quit pretty 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 fast. And uh, there's a couple guys that did quit out of that group, and you know they didn't make it. and you know that's their choice, but I I, I was determined. Yeah, you know I'm not going to move 19 hours away from home and go after this new experience just to be kicked out on the on the doorstep. So, um, you know that that was a new experience. Just how long the days were, how demanding it was. It was a, it was crazy that the classes went that late. The jug handles threw me for a loop. I had no idea what a jug handle was. I'm like, well, wh- why am I why am I wait Why am I going up and turning right to turn left and. All that stuff. Because, you know, in Kansas, it's wide open. You got the highways, you can turn left. You can, I mean, it's pretty much a lot Wild West compared to Jersey. There's so much infrastructure going on. And, um, you know, I'm a big advocate of chocolate milk. And so I always wanted chocolate milk in my gallon. And for whatever reason, like the Walmart up there didn't sell, didn't sell like chocolate milk by the gallon. It was only like quarts or whatever. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I'm going to make it. So those were my biggest concerns whenever I first moved up there.
0: Well, clearly you made it, uh, an impression because you got a scholarship, and that was kind of the goal all along. That's why you didn't. One of the reasons you didn't go to K State. Yeah. So, uh, why yeah. do you think you uh, stood out and, and were able to earn a uh, free ride?
1: Yeah. So I think that you know what what probably set me aside from others is I. So the the month I got into there. So not only was I struggling with the adjustment period, but the, I mean, within the month of getting there, it was actually in, so I got there at late January, February. I chair t- tear my ACL, or it might have been early March, but regardless, you know, I've only been there for a little bit over a month, and I tear my ACL, and I'm going through all this stuff, and I'm like, well, you know, I have this, I have this obligation. I got to get a scholarship because I'm not making my family pay for me to go out of state college and not come back with anything. Like, I'm not going to go out of state try to make a name for myself and come back into Hampton. So I was doing double therapy sessions with the whole the whole training staff. I was trying to lift any any type of way that I could and I was just determined to come back faster than, than I was supposed to. So whenever I spoke with Dr. Gap you know, he told me six six months would be extremely early to come back. And that, you know, you're probably gonna have to wear your knee brace for the rest of your college career and um, you know, that's just the way that these things kinda go. And so I was like, well, you know, do that, I'm not gonna do that. So I came back, hit those double therapy sessions, did everything I possibly could, um, lifted in any which way that was possible. and I think I came back, it was right around five months in a week that I came back. I was able to practice full speed, and then nine months, um, I was able to take my knee raise off and never look back, never put that thing on again. That's that's bad juju, anytime you're gonna put that thing on again. So, um, you know, never look back, and it was just, I was like, well, my sister starts college here soon. I I have to be on scholarship, and like they're gonna notice me. Like I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do all, every single position. Like I I would run all the routes because you'd go through the receiver lines. Um, I'd run the outside routes, then I would try to get in and, and run the inside routes. And I'm pretty sure that coaches were getting annoyed with me. They're like, why why isn't this kid get it? Like she's not. We don't see him playing. And I was like, well, in my eyes, I'm gonna like I'm gonna play was my intention the whole time. I'm like. But it's going to come a time where they're like, well, who do we have? And they're like, well, Murphy's the only one left. So I'm going to go out there and I'm going to make a name for myself It never ended up coming. But that's the type of preparation that I was, I was putting in. I knew the, I knew the playbook, just like the quarterbacks did just with my background. I knew that if I wanted to be successful, that that was going to be the way that this had to go in terms of preparation. So, um, you know i knew the i knew the offense and i took it i took the uh, responsibility of whenever we brought in new kids i was teaching them the whole offense um in terms of like fall camp and whatnot and so i was i was noticed in that and um in the weight room i never quit if anything i was just bringing other people to do extra stuff um in terms of like reps i i always try to build people up i guess i mean these are the these are the ways that i guess i was noticed um Always helped out in the community as much as I could. I was a big advocate for service trips and community service. And then I guess the final one would be that you know I wasn't an academic issue. They they never really had to worry about me academically, um, and that was just all self dedication. I probably even though I didn't have study how study hall hours assigned to me, I probably spent the most time in the hall. I'd be there sometimes until three in the morning, and then have to go back home and wake up and, and work out at six just because yeah you know, I wasn't going to I wasn't going to oh, fail that's for sure cuz I didn't want I didn't want to give him any reason to take my scholarship away um once once I had gotten it so you know I think that that's all the different special teams that I could get on you know not only was I working my weight cuz I knew that you got to take the holder anytime you're traveling so I knew if I could get in with Justin and be reliable with him that they would they would probably want me on the travel list but you know I was on punt block that junior that redshirt junior year I was a backup kickoff uh backup kickoff return uh, guard or whatever you want to call it and then you know I was a third string left guard on the punt team I was just any any which way I could find my way into a depth chart and just be like oh C. Murphy I guess has to travel this week because he's on four different teams Um, that's what I was doing and so I guess it just they kind of noticed that and they wanted to, to write the story about hard work pays off and You know, I was blessed enough to be healthy and stay healthy and and get that scholarship.
0: Yeah, made yourself uh, indispensable any way possible, for sure. Um, I'm always curious about, especially when things change on college campuses, especially when it comes to coaches, and obviously Chris (laughs) Ash was not retained there um, past, like, I think the midway point of this past season, and I'm always curious about how the players handle it. So... How yeah. did you find out about it, and what was kind of the vibe on the ground and the team's reaction? And just take me through that day.
1: Yeah. So I, I believe it was after we went to Michigan. And um, we went to Michigan, and obviously we got shut out. Um, had an opportunity to score, but then there was a turnover on downs. And, a, uh, you know, we get back, and on a normal Sunday routine, you have opportunity to eat. You're, you know if you were injured in any which way or you need to get treated, you need to be in the, the, the training room Sunday morning and then you have a, a window um, i think it's a uh i think it's from eleven a m to one p m you have a window to lift you have to get your lift in you have to go and check in for eating and then you have to be at you know reflection and uh reflection and team meeting that's when they address they go over the film, then you go into position meetings and then you actually go and you practice but um you know, that day we were in lift. I had already finished my lift cause I usually got there at 11. I hated, or I usually got there at around 12. I hated lifting like right up next to the bell because when you go into your meetings, you're sweating all, sweaty all through the meetings. And then we got to go to practice. So I'll get there, I get done shower up. And so we, all of a sudden we get a text through our, um, our phone and it's like, you know, it's the whole team alert ideal and it's how they communicate with all of us. Cause it's like herding cats when there's 115 of us. Um, so we we get a text and it says, Okay, you know, report to the team room immediately and like all the guys in the training room like all the guys in the weight room, this is like at twelve thirty, so I guess I guess people were still I mean, people were obviously still lifting people hadn't even shown up yet because some people wait to the very last minute to show up to lift. Um, and that's just the way it always is. But you you start to sit down and you're like, Well, you know, we've gone through plenty of these meetings where Pat Hobbs comes in and he says that you know, he hasn't given up on us and, you know, he believes in Coach Ash and, and things of that nature. But this one was weird because not every single support staff was in the room. Like all of our trainers, all of our media guys, every single guy you could think of, all the GAs. And uh, so, like, you know, murmurs start to go around and people are like, oh, today might be the day that they get rid of him, And then we're like, well, then who's going to, like who's going to step in and be the head coach? And so then, you know we're sitting there and we must have sat there for a good 15 to 25 minutes and nothing had happened everybody just started filling in as soon as all the seats were filled like um our well pat hobbs comes in and so did sarah and she comes in and those those are the guys that pretty much run all of athletic department and they you know they started to sit down and coach ash wasn't even in there and so he's the only guy that we're missing and i'm like And same with McNulty, and we're like, oh, I guess it is going to happen. So, um, you know, they come in and they address us, and they tell us that, you know, after further consideration, we realize that this team needs to continue to succeed, and um, we've done some rearrangements. So Coach Nunvio is going to be, you know, Coach Campanelli is going to be the new interim head coach, and we're going to move. Um, guys around, and we're going to make this thing work. But under no circumstances do you want to think—do you, do you want me to think, or do I want you guys to think that you know I've given up on you? Like I'm consistently looking for a new coach, and you know the search starts today because Rutgers is going to be, um, you know, a dominant player in the Big Ten, and it's just a matter of putting the pieces together. And so we we just kind of sat there and we were like, oh man, like that's tough. So then. He leave or everybody leaves, they tell us to go home, but then we get another text saying that Coach Ash wants to address us. And, you know, that was, that was probably the hardest meeting to sit through because I had, I had been given the opportunity I had because of Coach Ash to go and play there and be on scholarship and, and have it renewed, um, for that second season. And that, I mean, I'm pretty sure he went to bat for me because, Leading into that summer before my last season, I got a, an email that said that my scholarship wouldn't be renewed, and that was the only communication I got. And just said it came from compliance and that my scholarship wouldn't be renewed. So talked with Coach Ash and I guess he went to bat for me and he got it back. And so I, you know, I as as much as sometimes the conversations were hard to get through with Coach Ash, just because he was so much about football all the time. You know, I had I had a strange connection with him and and, and also his life during That was, you know, hands-on with the football team as well. It was hard to watch them go through the transition because they were pretty invested. But after that, we just went home, and everybody just kind of sat around because you have all day Sunday and all day Monday. Um, And you're like, well, geez, like what's going to happen now? Are we going to change the whole offense? What's going to happen with the tight ends? What's going to happen with the receivers? What's going to happen with the quarterbacks? Yeah, you know, I think that after the transition actually happened and after everything went down, people had a pretty good... There was still, strangely enough, a really good morale within the team because Coach Campanelli, he was, like, all passion all the time. It's just it's just in his blood, and he got people to actually rally around and believe in themselves, and as you saw towards the end of the season, I mean, we were fighting in those games. Um, it, was, it was tough to see because there were still some guys on the team that would kind of fold when adversity hit, and that's just, uh, you know, that's that's annoying to see, but I think that, for the most part, people were going in the right direction, and I think with them bringing back Shiano, um, you know, that should just kind of expedite them and their and their outlook on what, what's to ex- be expected of them.
0: Yeah, you kind of answered my next question, because I was going to say, uh, Coach Campanale Annunzio, He uh, seemed like from afar that he did do a good job of keeping the team together and keeping morale high. Yeah. You guys were battling against Penn State and um you know like you said it's very exciting uh very exciting time now with Greg Schiano back and how did you guys on the ground there or, or I don't even know where you were at that point because you might have been done at Rutgers but how did you guys follow kind of that whole saga where he was going to be the coach and then things looked like they fell apart and then uh it all got worked out in the end how did you follow that saga what, what's the uh what was the reaction from players and from students and just the general Rutgers community
1: Yeah. So I would say that, you know, I was still in Rutgers at that time. And when things were starting to fall apart and when Pat Hobbs came to address the team and say that, you know, we understand that you guys have probably heard every, every which side of the, of the issue and why we haven't come to terms and whatnot. And he kind of just addressed it and he said, look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hire a coach that doesn't want to win. Like there's plenty of coaches out there that want to win, but, uh, you know, right now that's, that's not the direction we're going. And I was like, it, it's kind of weird because me and my housemates, you know, I lived with, um, at the time before, before Travis life transferred, I, I lived with him and he kind of got out of here because he was, he was scared with the way that things were going and, um, lived with him, Nick Cremen, Jim Onulak, and those guys. Um, and we all kind of sat down in our living room after we, get, we were addressed the first time after Shiano didn't get the job. Um, and we were like, I, I, Crimin, Nick Crimin, he was saying, he's like, no, he's going to come back and he's going to just ask for more money. And I was like, I don't know, dude. I think that it could, I think it could be a publicity stunt where they're trying to get more of the fans to actually get involved because it's the weird thing about being located in the Northeast, you know, it's a great benefit in terms of like the resources, but I'll say that there's, it's, you know, the biggest difference with these big schools like Penn State and that have such big football following because there's so much stimulus around New Jersey that people don't have to spend their Saturday at a football game. They can go to New York City, they can go down to the shore, all those different things. And um, I was like, well, maybe this is, you know what, Grimmer, maybe it is a publicity stunt and they're going to bring him back. It's just a matter of time. And, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to sound like a mastermind, but I thought that that was kind of like a crazy, um, you know, chain of events that they actually did go back into talking. And I thought that it was just insanity that the fan base had like now the fan base wanted to have such a voice with who was the coach when all they wanted to do was naysay at the beginning and that they, you know, they started to come together, which is great. I think that is great, but you know, where was that just for the players um, when they might've needed it back, back in those first few years. And uh, you know, they obviously got what they wanted to, to have accomplished and, getting all those fundraising things together. I mean, that's a that's a mere percentage of what his contract is going to be. But, you know, it's, it's exciting to see that they were so passionate about bringing him back and what they want. Yeah, I just want to see them. Like me, as an alumni now, I just want to see them actually stick to their word about being passionate and being season ticket holders and, and you know, putting the block ours everywhere. And I think that um, Coach Gianna has done a great job with, you know, raising – raising the expectation, but it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, what what's become come of this fan base that was so passionate to revolt against Coach or Pat Hobbs and, and the athletic department.
0: Yeah, and we've seen what Rutgers football can be when the football is going well and the fan base yeah. um, is engaged <laughs> you. In, in, you know, the 2006 season, I believe, when Yep. Uh, that was before the Big Ten days, obviously, but it was it was nuts. It was awesome, and and before yeah. you know, I was just a kid following it. And I, I was impressed by what Rutgers yeah. football was able to be.
1: Yeah, no, it, I mean it. It is crazy, like um, you know, the pandemonium in Piscataway is what it's coined. But that that is like what college football should be. Like you go to you go to any college football game at Penn State, even though they were playing us, which you know we were. The, the bottom of the Big Ten or whatever it may be, even though they were playing us, that stadium was so loud. That stadium was the loudest stadium I played in. And it was like a it was a game after Thanksgiving. Everybody's home on Thanksgiving break, but somehow that stadium, this was a, like erupted with with just noise. And that's something that Rutgers hasn't had since, you know, since the pandemonium with the scatting. And that's something that as a player – you want like you want that in your corner. You want to be playing for somebody. You know they, the coaches they always say that you don't need to have noise to get hyped up, but I tell you what, it sure helps. You know, that's like saying you don't need a car to get places, but it sure accelerates things.
0: <laughs> and we see with basketball too. Um, it's exciting yeah, right now with Rutgers and how you know they, they do yeah. make noise and how it's becoming a home home court advantage at the rack. It's a it's a cool thing to see yeah. uh, Rutgers athletics, especially those revenue sports, get going.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. I hope that um, the, the kids realize that they got they have a big task in front of them because they got to gain they got to gain a lot of momentum to actually have a recurring fan base. And that's you know it's sad, but at the same time it's it's a great challenge. And if they can do it, that's just all the more power to them.
0: Yeah, and it's just to see what uh, what Seattle can do and, and um, yeah. how that unfolds. And you know if it unfolds anything like how basketball has gone with their rebuild, it'll be uh, it'll be exciting. Right. Um, before I let you go, Cole, I wanna shift away from football yeah. and okay. ask about uh some of your now that you're a you know, regular civilian like, like <laughs> me and, and the rest of the world, what are some of your yeah. hobbies off the field? You know, what you got any T V shows? Any uh anything you get into, you know, yeah. intramural sports, what what do you like to do in your downtime?
1: Yeah, so I haven't I haven't really found out what intramural sports I'm gonna play, but um probably best to keep me off the basketball course. I get too aggressive, so maybe I'll probably do, like, a, a softball. I Actually, my first night down here, I went out with uh, one of my girlfriends that I had met back in 2016, of all places. I'm an Alaskan crew. She lives down here now, and she's from Ohio. And She was always giving me a hard time whenever I played at Rutgers because she's a big Buckeye fan, but I went out with her and, uh, we we went out and met all of her friends because I had, I don't really know anybody down here. But he was like, dude, you should come play softball. You know, you're a Division One football player. Come play softball. And I was like, well, all right. I haven't played baseball in a while, but that'd be some, something fun to do. But you know, um, the just the things that you can do here in Tennessee. I'm kind of waiting on my girlfriend to get down here, and so we can do some more outdoor exploring. I don't really feel like getting lost like 127 hours by myself, <laughs> but. um, once she gets down here, we'll probably do some more of the, the outdoor exploring things, but for the most part, um, within the week that I've been here, i finished Yellowstone both seasons, waiting on season three to come out. Um, I'm starting to get more into reading. I've got I to still grow my knowledge um, if I'm going to be successful in the sales field. I, uh, my, my aunt and uncle, they have a puppy here. Not a puppy really, but she's the size of a puppy named Bella. And she is like a, a fuzz ball of energy, so it's fun to fun to play with her because she doesn't really get much attention when people are not in the house. Um, what else do I do? I'm gonna I'm probably gonna be a frequent visitor of Broadway, um, which is uh, the main street here with with all the bars, and um, you know start to network and make new friends and just kind of start a life down here. But um, in real softball, something I want to get into, and the outdoor stuff and Right now, I'm actually, you know, in the. I think I'm in season two of Jack Ryan, and I got to say that's a pretty good series, um, that I've that I've started. But other than that, I got to learn how to cook. That's gonna be another <laughs> hobby of mine.
0: I, I still don't know how to, know how to cook, that. and and you know, I'm I'm barely getting by in the kitchen. <laughs> but uh, you know, all the things you listed, all I got to say is is welcome to being, uh, you know, a non-student yeah. athlete, just a regular guy. <laughs> It's, it's, yeah.
1: <laughs> I actually funny enough when I was you know when I was deciding to come down here i I said, man I do not want to get away from athletics like I just i want to have i mean I have connections within coaching and whatnot, but I want to be still connected with people that are similar in my age because I still i you know I'm friends with the underclassmen and those guys are good people too, and so funny enough, the guy that I roomed with Nick coffeeville, one of my best friends Mauricio chio he uh he ended up going to play for Missouri State, but he was there another year at Coffeeville because he was still rehabbing his ACL there. And he ended up rooming with a guy named Mo Hassan, um, which was a bounce back from Syracuse. And now he is at Vanderbilt, um, ironically. And so I met up with him on the first night I was down here as well. And so we're actually, we're, we're planning on working out tomorrow because he's still, um, I think he actually hit the transfer portal and he's trying to transfer out of here, but, you know, he's still into the, the fitness life. And, um, that's one thing that another hobby, I guess, I joined a, I had to pay for a gym membership, which I've never done before. Um, so doing that, I'm working out with him tomorrow morning. And, um, you know, it's just good to be s- still connected with guys that, with similar mentalities. Um, yeah. And, and things like that.
0: Pay for a gym membership. Yeah. First world problems, man. But, um, you know, you mentioned Broadway, all things to do in Nashville. Nashville actually one city yeah. that um, I have not been to in the U.S., and and it's one that I feel like I'm missing out on. So when I do eventually get there, yeah, I'll be sure to uh, I'll be sure to look you up and uh, we can catch up on uh, everything we didn't get to on the podcast. But
1: yeah, no, we definitely
0: can. Yeah, but Cole, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, really good insight, really good stories, and um, you know, even though you didn't win the Pete Mortel Award, I think uh, you'll always be kind of an honorary Champ in uh, in all of our books. So, appreciate the time, man. Thank you.
1: I I appreciate it. Thanks for having me
0: on. All right. Thanks once again to Cole for giving us so much time and for uh, letting us inside the Rutgers football program and also inside his uh, day to day life as he went from high school to Juco to Rutgers and now to. everyday citizen like most of us listening so appreciate it cole best of luck to him and appreciate everyone out there rutgers fan or fans in general for listening always appreciate anyone tuning in and like i touched on at the beginning of the show please do not hesitate to leave a positive rating and review if you enjoy the show on uh, on your podcast platform you're listening on thanks as always for wrapping up to producers west white julie bronder and thanks out there once again to everyone for listening keep it locked on take 10 podcast next week we will get Harold back in here to talk big 10 basketball as the season really heats up we will uh, get another exciting guest on as well until then we will talk to you soon here on take 10 podcast